Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek Voyager's own Bilana Torres, Roxanne Dawson. The much maligned common man and common woman has an enormous hunger for brotherhood. They are ready for the 23rd century now, and they are light years ahead of their petty governments and their visionless leaders. Welcome back to another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We are so lucky to have actor, advocate, and Buffy royalty, <laughs> Charisma Carpenter with us. Hey, royalty. Wow, that's something. Thank you. Wear that crown, girl. <laughs> We're so lucky to have you. <laughs> Guys. An angel. I should have said Buffy and angel royalty. I love you. Thank you for the, that warm, warm <laughs> welcome. So per this quote, I just, I have so many thoughts and I'm always struck. Every time I wrap up one of these podcast sessions, I go, how is this man, Gene Roddenberry, this aware and thinking like this? And then I remember, listen, all through history, uh, Shakespeare wrote for the everyman, the common mm -hmm. man, right? Even though we go, oh, it's so hard and iambic pentameter and I don't get it. But back then, it was literally literally written for like the trailer park crowd, right? So yeah. mm -hmm. and I'm not maligning that. I'm simply saying the everyday common man does. I agree. It has a hunger for brotherhood. And I agree they're ready for the future. And we see that, I think, trend and charisma in the way that people are organizing today and fighting back and saying, I'm the common man. And you know what I don't want? Six dollars, seven dollars an hour. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want more for myself. That's just my first little initial thought. And I also want to say, I think they're light years ahead of the government. I agree with this part, too, in visionless leaders, because the everyday common man is living it. They're actually yep. living it. They're not living theory, theoretical stuff. You know, they're not philosophers. They're actually living the day-to-day -day reality. Charisma, what do you think? I was actually just thinking about what you had said about the government and the common man. And and I was also, I just finished a class in administrative justice. And I was, I read a lot about, you know, how Trump came about as, as a corporate leader, you know, like, oh, I'm this corporate leader mm -hmm, and I'm different mm -hmm. than, than a governing body and they don't get anything done. And you need me because I'm not them and you need something fresh because I can get work done. And what the, what the reality is, as far as government goes, and I'm not defending government. I, I don't want government mm -hmm. legislating my reproductive organs. I don't want the voting rights of black and brown people uh, marginalized. I, you know, there are so many things that are happening right now with our government. But the difficult thing about our government, what we as the common man tend to forget, is that it is a huge 
<laughs> I, I just thought of the Titanic, like this huge ship that to, to change course is hard. To change course is, you know, as much, even Obama has said, you know, as much as we want radical change, we don't want radical change. Yeah. People want more of this. There's just not, it just isn't that easy to change. So what helps is when you have these types of shows that speak to, you know, people and frame things that are government related in a context in which, you know, the common man can digest and take apart, um, reflect on, process, sort of take to the shower when they're showering and just start, you know, chewing that, you know, masticating on, mm-hmm. on the truth of what is, you know, that's, that's the brilliance of people and his vision. Like you said, Rachel, it's like remarkable. Of course there have been visionaries that have, you know, championed these big views, but they're just too far yeah. and few yeah. between. And I think it's a very clear um, from many of the quotes that we've gotten from Gene, that he definitely saw value in the audience, whereas the network executives or the advertisers may have just seen, you know, the audience as, you know, a commodity or something to make money off of. Uh, Don't I think, you think they underestimate the audience? Oh, Jim? absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of entertainment does maybe not so much anymore but i think in the early days of television and not that the 60s were necessarily the early days but it still was kind of new ish uh, a lot of entertainment was very throwaway mindless whereas a show like star trek the storylines were really more uh, important and he was talking about more important things uh, in the guise of entertainment and via the the tool of of science fiction it reminds me of like when um, when you think about like, uh, quote unquote, Comic-Con nerds, like people don't really think about the fans who, you know, dress up in the cosplay and who, who sleep. I got charisma. How many cosplays have you, have you witnessed? <laughs> Too many. Too many to, to keep track. I feel like people really discount those those people and those fandoms as just like crazy kids or whatever. But the devotion that fans uh, put into uh, a show like Star Trek, a show like Buffy, a show like Angel, because those stories speak to them, they see themselves in the characters, they see themselves in the storylines, they see parts of themselves that they didn't like, that they didn't realize were, were their part of them. And it made them realize, like, as you mentioned, Charisma, like in the shower thinking like, whoa, like that villain, you know, like, that kind of reminds me of, my, you know, my bratty behavior, that kind of thing. And and when a writer or a TV series or any form of entertainment speaks to a person like that and generates that kind of devotion, I, I think that that says a lot about how much the audience is respected. Trent, I also think that Star Trek and, and Charisma 2, um, you know, TV was uh, centered, and I've spoken about this before in here, it's the Hoover vacuum hour, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It was to sell products. So the TV shows and the entertainment that was on was sort of secondary to the thing we're trying to sell. And what people who are not in the business may not realize, it's not any different now, right? Mm -hmm. So there were only three networks. Mm -hmm. There wasn't 60 cabillion channels. There was nothing streaming. And so the network executives did have all the power, Mm -hmm. right? But then a show like Star Trek comes along, aims itself with lofty goals at the common man. And obviously I feel like Gene, Mr. Roddenberry probably had to do some dancing around the network executives. Oh, for sure. I'll say this and I'm not maligning 
network executives or the elites who decide what TV is. But I will say, I do think they underestimate the audience. Yes. And I know when I was uh, on a TV show, you know, everybody was from Wharton School of Business, the executives, which is great. You have to run a company. You need to know business. But the one exec who genuinely loved sitcoms, she loved television. She knew sitcoms inside and out. Fired her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fired her. Gone. And I, I always I still think about this woman and I hope she's found that place for her passion for the genre. That is television and the message that it can get across as per this quote, charisma and trend. The much maligned common man and the common woman. They want to be part of a whole. They are the thing that keeps this all running. And per what I was saying in the very beginning, I think when you're in it in the trenches, you actually know reality a lot more than people theorizing. Like, because for charisma, you said you're in a class, right? So you do the class, which is, first of all, kudos to you, by the way. Like, I don't know, it's time to fit in a class (laughs) like that. But um, you do the class and then... Once you get out of the schoolroom or the Zoom or whatever, you have to think about it in applicable terms, mm-hmm. correct? Not just theoretical. Yeah, but I, I'm going back to kind of what where you initially started. We shared some thoughts on how really television was geared towards corporate sales. And, you know, it, it was all about the advertisers and get and making them happy and their sort of what you would consider a religious right agenda. Mm-hmm. And we had to yeah. be like a certain thing. And, and that even goes into music. Like, do you know how many rock bands have had to like play with the lyrics, you know, to get away with saying and getting the message across that Not they wanted to say? Not show their hips, yeah. charisma. They couldn't even show Elvis's hips when he was on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, the puritanical viewpoint and, Anytime a government tries to suppress or oppress, you know, instinct and sexuality and poetry and, you know, vitality of any kind, you know, it becomes labeled and it becomes, you know, sort of this thing that needs to be uh, controlled. And um, people don't want to be controlled. (laughs) People do not Especially Americans. Unless and that's your king. You anything. And I'm just talking about the masses. No, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you if you think about just the COVID and the whole massing, nobody's going to tell me what to fucking, excuse my French, nobody's <laughs> going to tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. We do not like to be told what to do, especially by the government. And it doesn't even matter if the government in a particular instance actually might be working in our best interest. They're still going to say, no, you're the government and I won't hear your message yeah. and I don't yeah. care. It's my choice. And it's interesting. That's kind of the, 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 one of the downfalls of the common man though, too, right? <laughs> like I don't want to malign the common man, but I'm like, when we right. actively go, anything they say is bad. I'm like, well, nothing's black and white. You know what? And I argue with a lot of people over this, like nothing's black and white. Yeah. There's always some in between because I personally, I don't want the government to control reproduction rights, but I do want the government to help out people in other areas. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm not a hardcore, do it yourself. But I remember the 90s, someone saying to me, uh, I'm not I'm not going to file for unemployment because, you know, uh, that's that's not cool. And I don't want to take away and from other people. And I was like, it's the patron saint of artists. Yeah, <laughs> you should file your unemployment yeah. because you pay taxes on it, too, yeah. by the way. But it was interesting that she would bought into the like, uh-uh, you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and not take any help. 
And I'm somewhere Well, between. I mean, that's a very good point um, in terms of that. I mean, even people that have, you know, worked 25 years successfully and go to retire. And I've had, you know, really, listen, I'm, I would consider myself a, li- a liberal, but there are some liberal views that are just too far, you mm-hmm. know, like, sure. y- mm-hmm. you know, working folk people are allowed to retire and take their retirement. They paid into mm-hmm. it. Yes. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not, let's donate it, you know, like, right. Yeah, they still have another twenty five years, at least, to live. Even you know? Social um, Security, we put into it. Even I here, I'm gonna end on this. I'm gonna because we're lucky enough to have charisma for the whole rest week, of the week. Yeah. I'm gonna end on this. Even Ayn Rand, who, in when I was at NYU, everyone's like, you gotta read her books, and I'm like, then I realized a few years later, I wasn't. I'm not a fan. I wasn't uh, white enough and um, Republican enough for those <laughs> books. But even Ayn Rand, who was like, don't take anything from anyone, and da 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 da. Her foundation just took a lot of PPP money. She was on Social Security at the end of her mm-hmm, life. So mm-hmm. she fought against these social things yeah. and yet still took from them, right? So anyway, oh, I know Chris. Isn't that like, rich? Isn't that, is that not rich? It's very interesting that we should also note that Gene really respected the audience and he believed in yeah. them. And when the, when Star Trek was on the chopping block, when the network didn't believe in, in the, in the show, the audience started a letter writing campaign because they wanted to see more Star Trek. So if you respect the audience, the, the audience is going to respect you back. And Gene Roddenberry knew that. And that's why we're talking about Good Star point. Trek all these decades later. Such a Wait, good one point. second. I want to ask you a question, Trent. Um, it only did three seasons. Yes, it, Star yeah, Trek. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah, that we are still talking about that show. Yeah, and it only did three seasons. Yeah, we're Remarkable. talking about it more than other shows that have been on for ten seasons. Yep. you know what I'm saying. Yep. But it's also spawned so many great shows. Anyway, all right, listen, Charisma. We're going to talk more tomorrow. Go. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, if you want to watch a video of Roxanne Dawson reading today's quote, you can check them out on our social media accounts. And we hope you'll join us tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. 